0: I am excited for the next few minutes that we have together. If you were here last week, last week we uh, went into a little mini-series, is what I call, it's just, it's just two weeks, last week and this week, that we called it My Story. My Story. And back in 2013, we did a number of weeks in a row. For those of you who remember that, it was a long time ago now. and we. As a part of our sermon, we had someone from our church family come up on the stage and share for just a few minutes what God had done in their life, uh, and so we had two little weeks in between, uh, in between where we were headed as, head as a church, and this is where we landed. Last week, you heard the story of an incredible transformation in a, in a kid, I call him a kid, but he's like 25, uh, named Miles, part of our church family, grew up in Sock Center, messed the snot out of his life through addiction and drugs and uh, horrendous things that just happened over and over because of the decisions and the choices that he had made uh, from age starting at age 12 you we heard this story and how God over the past year has absolutely transformed him Uh, He was one year sober as of last Sunday. He'll be here in the second service, I'm sure. And we just heard this powerful story of God's grace and God's mercy uh, that is just changing lives and changing people who humbly go to him and, and, and ask for that. And so that was such a fantastic thing. Today is like a completely different direction than that. And it's on purpose, and I could not be more excited about this today. You're going to meet Matea, if you don't know Matea, and uh, a young mom who, over the past couple years, has just had a fantastic journey with God, and that's all that I'm gonna like introduce this for you as. And so, uh, with that, put your hands together and invite Matea up to share for a minute.
1: You. I promise this tote is for a reason. <laughs> I've been carrying this around all morning. I'm like, oh, this is weird. <laughs> um, good morning. My name is Matea. My family and I have been coming to this church for the past six years, and words can't describe how excited I am to be up here, and extremely thankful, and maybe a little nervous, but we'll get through that, right? I don't speak all the time, and this is actually my first time sharing my testimony, so I hope that I don't get too emotional here. Over the past year, my life has been through a major transformation, and um, it's basically started, like majority of my life I've been fairly lukewarm, like I've I've always believed in Jesus, and I've kind of been like up and down and up and down, but over the past year, I've been, I have literally gone from here to here, and this is where I am right now, and to sum everything up as to where I am between this whole year, God has approached me and identified a healing that I've needed since I was 14 years old. He's restored things that I brought into my marriage that I was completely unaware about that needed healing. He's given me visions in my sleep. He's called me onto a missions trip. I went to the Dominican, and that was, it was amazing. He's given me the gift of the Holy Spirit, and I've also received kind of a calling to um, a certain group of people to bring closer to Jesus. But I didn't just get here in an instant. It's honestly been a journey of trying to find and believe the supernatural power of God's healing and actually truly accepting his invitation. So let me start, or I'll begin with where it started. When I was 14 years old, my parents' divorce was pretty fresh. And there was one day that my sister and I were home alone and my mom was at work. And the cops showed up at our front door. And they said that our dad had just been airlifted to the St. Cloud Hospital because he was in a car accident, or he was on his bicycle. This actually made the St. Cloud Times in 2006. He was on his bicycle on the Woebegone Trail. And he didn't stop at the stop sign. And then there was a car that was going 70 miles an hour. And it just, they collided. and. Crazy as it sounds, he was alive, but he was unconscious, and so they said you should probably hurry up and get to the hospital. And there's a memory that I honestly have not been able to let go, and it was his face. His face when we went into the hospital room to see him right after the accident. And it was, his head is what had the major impact. It was hit by the side mirror of the car and his jaw was dismantled off of his face, and it was anchored to one side, and and his tongue was just, it was big, and it was, it just, it didn't seem real to me. Like, I was just thinking, like, this is, this is stuff that we only see in the movies, and I just kept thinking, like, this is not real, this is not real, and, like, I couldn't react, my mom and my sister were right next to me, and i they were bawling, and I was just like, I was so numb. I was just, and then I just kept thinking and being hard on myself, like, I should be crying, but I don't know how to react right now. I just don't know. And these were the moments that I really wished I would have listened to that small voice that was begging to have my heart, but I didn't, and it was it was filled with a new noise inside of me and that noise was these thoughts it was that i will always be alone and i will never be good enough for anyone and kind of it kind of manifested at that moment because you know with my dad leaving us i was just kind of searching for his approval but thinking that you know the way that he looked i was like he's he's never going to be the same person again and um I was like it just it just took over. <laughs> it really did. Um There was a lot of closure that I would say me and my whole family didn't receive. He he ended up he did pass away. Dad did. And um it actually was on August 28th of 2006. So when I was doing this research, I was just like, because I, I normally don't try to remember these things, but I was like, wow, like that's, that's the date today, if anyone is aware of that. This, so this is his 16th anniversary. And um, he, he did end up passing. We never ended up having a funeral for him. That was here in Minnesota. There was a lot of family dysfunction that was kind of going on at the time. And um, his girlfriend at the time, she did not give my sister and I anything, like any of his belongings to remember him from. And I have even written her letters, I think I was in my, when I was a teenager, I wrote her letters like begging her, like can you please just give us something, give us something, just drop it off at the end of their driveway and she would never reply. And she she didn't like us, I don't know why, but maybe she felt threatened by his old family. And still to this day, I actually don't even know where my dad is buried. He's summer in Detroit. My dad was born and raised in Detroit, Michigan. So um, these these experiences, I will admit, have created a lot of hardships for me. I ended up switching high schools from St. Cloud School District to Junior, or sorry, not Junior, Sock Center. <laughs> and so I was in 10th grade at this time, and it, it was easy to make acquaintances with friends, but. I would say after the whole new girl thing faded, that was when I really needed those deep relationships. And I just, it it takes a while. You know, I think it took me about a whole year to finally have one friend that I could really relate to. And throughout this time, that, that loneliness was just going deeper and deeper and never feeling good enough and feeling rejected by people because I would worry about, who I would talk to during passing time, or I would worry about who would I sit next to during lunch. Fast forward to when I was 21. That's when I met Justin, who is my husband now. And I would say the first couple years of us being together was really fun. But once we got married and the whole honeymoon stage was over, I would say that my insecurities came back. As far as being alone, that kind of mellowed out a little bit, but... That feeling, that insecurity of I will never be good enough kind of got worse, especially you know when I became a mom and all those roller coasters of being pregnant, having kids. And I like to describe it as I, I kind of erupted like a volcano. And there was a lot of nights where I would pick fights with Justin and then I would cry, cry myself to sleep because I was always just trying to figure out where I belonged in his life. For some reason, I just always thought that he was going to leave me. And even though he didn't do anything for me to suspect that, it was that, just that deep thing that was kind of going on in my heart. And I also believe that because he loves me, it was his job to fix me. But that was actually kind of bringing us further apart. But in light of how Jesus was working through me, this is also when we started going to church here. It was shortly after we got married. We started making new friendships with couples here. We, and that's kind of the glue that kept us here because being with everyone in this church, we, we felt like they were our family and we felt really important. And then we started joining life groups really consistently I would say sometimes we would take a break in the summer, but in the fall and in the winter, we, we, we stayed pretty dedicated. And, but a lot of it, too, was just because our friends were in it. So we're like, well, we need an excuse to see our friends and let our kids play. Then I became a youth leader and, um, with Gabs, right, There you are. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I started intentionally reading the Bible every day we, or I guess as much as I could, we began tithing. And whenever the church would fast, we would join that, join them with fasting. And throughout this time, I was pursuing Jesus and I just kind of kept, just kept doing and doing. And I'm sure you're still kind of wondering, so what made that big difference? Like, how did you take that huge leap from here to here, like within this past year? Two things what I believe has truly transformed my life is saying yes to every opportunity or commitment that the church offered. Um, A lot of times I didn't feel like I had the time. I am a full-time stay-at-home mom, full-time entrepreneur. I own my own business and so was my husband. He was a full-time worker and uh, I'm not even going to lie. Like there was a lot of times where I was just like, mm, I don't know if we should do it. I don't know. We were just so busy, but we said yes. And also um when I joined youth group, which was kind of a bigger commitment to me, in my heart I was I did not feel ready. I was like, I don't feel ready to be teaching kids, but it just grew. Like I like we I know that God works on us while we're serving others because we will never ever be in a spot. Like not even I'm not even in a spot right now where we just feel like I don't need to learn more. It's it's a journey. It's a lifelong journey. And secondly, is journaling. This is why I have my tote. <laughs> I am really scatterbrained, and I've actually journaled since I was in sixth grade. And I I have written some weird things, but um <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's embarrassing. I was reading it the other day. But um, I've been journaling since I was in sixth grade, kind of took a break when Justin and I got married and I think in, when I was in college too. But when I started going to church here, Kyle would bring it up, you should take notes, you should take notes. And I'm like, I should get back into this journaling thing. So it started from taking notes at church to writing down things that I was fearful about. So instead of talking to Justin or someone, I would write it down in my journal, and that was kind of my version of talking to God because I'm so scatterbrained, and I feel like when I pray, I'm like, squirrel. You know, like, (laughs) that's how I am. And then as it's evolved into prayers, so I would start writing down prayers. And what has really, really transformed my journaling life is Going through old entries, reading them from months or weeks ago, and seeing, and like actually I would take a pen, and in a little margin next to it, I would write down, such, like let's say if it was it was something that I was afraid of, or that I was stressed about, and I would write down what actually happened. And I would give all credit to Jesus, because I think we easily forget those things, and that's why... We have a lot of anxiety and fear, insecurity. And when it would be my prayer entries, I would write down how God answered that prayer. And so I have about two two or three years, I would say, of those entries. And honestly, it's it's a beautiful, it's beautiful entries of how God has remained faithful through my struggles. And witnessing and putting that extra effort and giving full credit to Jesus has led me to where I am right now. As my stacks of journals have increased, my faith has increased. Look at this, this is... (laughs) I have more, but I don't want them to tip over. And I kind of thought maybe I should, I'm going to read something to you from January 24th, 2020. So this was actually right before the close down. Dear God, as I enter my last week of fasting, we must have been fasting. uh, I pray hard for healing and to truly come to you and to feel good enough for you. I find myself feeling selfish to pray for myself or being guilty for not praying for others or praying what I think you want me to hear. You know me more than I know myself. Please give me the freedom to truly come to you for everything in good and in bad situations. May you open my heart. May you fully have me and let me feel good enough and accepted. And so that was me a couple years ago. And... I feel like this is the old Matea now because it's like he was there. He was there the whole time and I just, I needed that reassurance and I feel like these journals are that reassurance for me. It's kind of not as powerful as a Bible but it's like this this personal, personal little one. There's so much more that I want to share with you, especially about the healing journey that I've been through this year. That's just like a whole, that could be like a whole another 10 minutes. But, um, and I really mean this, if anyone wants to have coffee or talk to me about anything, please find me after the service. Thank you. Thanks so much for being, can give that. To you.
0: Taya, thank you sincerely, just for taking a moment and to share a little bit of your life with us. You know, we appreciate that, and it's so beautiful what God has done. Thank you. So awesome. Thank you. Uh, And for some of us in this place, like there are different things of her story that are going to stand out. The feels of feelings of insecurity, the feelings of inside, I'm not good enough. Trauma from our past sneaking up. All of these things play into who we, are, who we are today in different ways. Her healing, all right, comes through when, her, when she began to spiritually transform, we began to see God help in those areas, okay? And what I want to do just for a moment is I want to show you a couple things. Uh, when I sat down and we talked her through this week, and, and this has been true, Matea, the last number of months, any time that I have just opened my mouth and talked, had a conversation with you, it's like she is overflowing with what God is doing in her life, over and over and over again. And it's like, God told me this. God showed me this. God helped me with this. And it's just, it's just like over and over. Uh, And it's so fantastic because A few years ago now, Matea, and you even used this word about yourself. You used the word lukewarm when you were starting. Like you were just this kind of in and out, lukewarm, complacent version of what it looks like to be a Christian, and an absolute transformation has taken place where now the beautiful healing that comes in God, but also hearing His voice, seeing Him move and do things, and it's just been been incredible. Okay, so... Uh, I, want you to, I want us to pray together, quickly stand with me all over this place, we're going to pray, we're going to look to the Bible for a few minutes, I believe that God has something significant for us here over the next couple of minutes, so God, we look to you today uh, to move and to help, and I pray that you would even use her story, use the word of God, God, use me We want to experience you, we want to find freedom, we want to know you more, hear your voice and all of that, and I pray that today would be a piece of that, God, so we give this to you, and it's in your name we pray, amen, amen. All right, give somebody a high five and have a seat, come on. Okay, very simple message for us today, Uh, but as I was putting this together, I was just overwhelmed with with what I felt God wanted to do and wanted to say to us. Uh, Revelation chapter 3 is really what this is about. Just a few little verses. And let me read this to you. Revelation chapter 3, verse 14. To the angel of the church in Laodicea write, These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. Verse 15. I know your deeds... That you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So, because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. Now, let me give you a little context to what's going on in this scripture right here. It's fantastic, it's harsh, it's pointed. Uh, John, who is one of the 12 disciples of Jesus, He was the last of the original 12 disciples to die. In fact, the 11 before him all died for their faith in Jesus. John is considered to be the only one of the group who dies of old age. And he lives well into his 80s, scholar believe, uh, and later on in his life, John has this supernatural vision, dream sort of thing. An angel or the Holy Spirit, or it's kind of confusing, shows up to him and basically tells him to write all of this stuff down. John just begins to write. Uh, Much of what he wrote is what we as Christians call the end times, like what's going to happen at the very end, fascinating, crazy, weird things, stuff that's difficult to understand as we read some of it, but the beginning of this writing of Revelation, there is these little paragraphs to seven different churches, seven different groups of uh, of Christians, and this is one of what we have here specifically written to a church in a city called Laodicea. Modern day Turkey is where this is. I'm going to read this again. I want to talk about this just shortly. To the angel of the church of Laodicea, right. Okay, so you can hear almost from, from the, the perspective of God here. These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish you were either one or the other. Because you are lukewarm, I'm about to spit you out of of my mouth. And I want to focus for a moment on verse number 16. I know your deeds. You are neither cold nor hot. Because you are lukewarm, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. Now, a couple things to note about this. Verse 16. First, John is the guy who wrote this, but it's written from, from the perspective of God. So when it says, I know your deeds, John isn't writing, John knows your deeds. Okay, He's writing, I, as in God, knows your deeds. We also have a few different words here, different terms uh, that I want to point out. The word lukewarm. Now initially, if you're like me, when you hear the word lukewarm, you hear that word, you're thinking just kind of like, a blah tap water type of thing. You know what I'm talking about? And you take a drink of it, and you're kind of like, ah, this is just kind of blah. But the reality is, I still drink water like that. In fact, sometimes I purposely will take water that's not been in the refrigerator for one reason or another, okay? And I'll drink it that way, and so it's like, whatever. But, but the word, and, and this is what we have, have for us, written in Greek, we have an English translation of this. I want to show you a couple of the Greek words that are going to help point point this out and make this uh, a little more easy to understand. The the Greek word translated as lukewarm is the word uh, kleros. Kleros is how you say it. The definition of that word is this, moderately warm. And I'm like, yeah, perfect. Between hot and cold, yes. But listen to this last part, and not palatable. And not palatable. Don't miss that last part. Here's what that means it means in your mouth there is a sense of that's nasty is what we have, okay? Uh, Think of water that you really, really don't like. Maybe you remember growing up at grandma's house, and she lived out on the farm, and it had the most nasty iron-flavored whatever. You almost had to chew the water out of her faucet, and you're like, grandma, is it? Anyone know what I'm talking about? Am I the only one? Okay, you think about that stuff. Uh, Maybe for you, it's like like, you can't stand unflavored soda water, like, just where I can't stand that at all. It's just this gross taste in my mouth. I was with another pastor the other day, and he ordered that from a restaurant, and I was like, what are you doing? Like, why, I, you, you, you're making a mistake here, and it, like, it's just gross, but think, this is the picture of the word lukewarm that we have. It is something that goes into your mouth, and you're just thinking, that is not right, that is not good, okay? And then we have the phrase, spit you out of my mouth. This is my favorite part of this. This word spit is quite awesome. It's the Greek word emio or emio. Listen to the definition of this word, spit, okay? Emio, to eject the contents of, of the stomach through the mouth. How many of you would say spit is not the right word, all right? This should have been translated ralph. I think is what we that's what this should have been, or at least the word, at least the word of vomit here. I um, mean, I tell you all of this just to say this, like what we have here in Revelation chapter 3, very pointed, harsh words. Who are they pointed at? They are pointed at Christians who the scripture calls, God calls, lukewarm. Lukewarm. Okay, uh, I think the word lukewarm here. This is not take a rocket scientist to figure this stuff out. This is talking about complacent, apathetic Christians. Would you agree? All right, that's what this is. And to just sort of take this to the extreme, put it all in a few words: complacent Christians make God want to vomit. That's, we got somewhere quick, didn't we? Complacent Christians make make God want to vomit is what we could, we could just take that right there and summarize it in that way, okay? So let's pray and go home now. But this is what drew me, this is what drew me to Matea's story, because her story is a journey from being a lukewarm Christian with with some baggage from her past, with some tragedy, with some self-issues, okay, that she talked about. It's a journey from that to becoming over the past year a passionate follower of Jesus who is hearing his voice and following him in an incredible way. That That is her story for me in a nutshell. We can talk about the little things along the way like she did, but for me, it's about a complacent person, complacent Christian who has now experienced all of this amazingness along the way and is now at a spot where this is her And this is where she is at, okay? A transformation that has occurred in her spiritual life. And we, like, beautiful, incredible, powerful relationship with God. I love this. And I love talking to her about this. It oozes out of her. You have to take my word for that if you don't know her. It oozes out of her. What I want to do for the rest of our time, which is not a whole lot. This is going to be beautifully short. For some of us, we're going to love this, okay? All right, what I want to do is just present to you sort of a formula to help you move away from a complacent, lukewarm version of what it means to be a Christian into something different. Uh, And of course, all of this, by the way, revolves around a hunger for God. If you are not hungry for more of God in your life, okay, then none of this is really going to do anything or even matter. But if you're here today and you are saying, I feel deep inside, deep down inside of me that I am complacent when it comes to this stuff, and I actually have a deep desire to move farther than I have ever like. Than this right here is going to be for you. Okay, so write these things down. Five of them, five of them, all five uh, show up in Matea's story and in her transformation. But write this down if you're taking notes. Okay, write this down, Matea. You got room in your notebook? <laughs> That's good, okay? Number one, prioritize gathering with the body of Christ. Prioritize that. What do I mean? That's a fancy way of saying make going to church a priority. Make going to church a priority. Understand this, Christians who are growing, and Christians who are hungry, and Christians who are moving in this direction, they prioritize gathering together with the body of Christ. It is a piece of it, and let me just tell you something else, and this may sound harsh, and this may sound pointed, and I don't mean it to be this way, but this is the reality of the culture we live in, okay? The average Christian is somewhere around 1.2 to 1.4 times a month that they go to church, that is down significantly in the last decade when it was 1.9. Less and less and less people are going to church. You may not know this about our congregation, but our Sox Center location here, we have somewhere between 12 and 13 or 1400 people that call this location their church. Do you know that? 12 to 13, 1400 people that if you would ask them, where do you go to church? They would say this right here. Now, here's the contrast. We, have, we average on a Sunday morning 400 people. Now, that's awesome, isn't it? 400 in a little town of Sock Center? That's ridiculously incredible. But what I'm telling you is two-thirds of the people who call this their church don't come to church every single Sunday, and that rotates in and out of who that is. You understand what I'm saying? Okay, I don't mean to throw this at you and saying, like, kick you in the teeth, elbow you in the gut a little bit here, and say, come on, but I'm, but I'm, I'm just humbly saying, if, if moving in your relationship with God is something that you desire, learning to prioritize church is a significant piece of that, okay? People who are growing, they don't get up on Sunday mornings and ask themselves if we should go to church today. They don't do that. It's just who they are and what they do. I was talking to Matea this week. Going to church has become an essential, exciting, meaningful time of every single week for them. It's been incredible, and their weeks are out of town, and okay, I don't mean to paint that picture in that way, but church is a priority. Though true Christianity uniquely involves a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, it is also a corporate experience. Christians cannot grow spiritually as they ought to in isolation from one another. Okay, Romans chapter 12. Just as each of us has one body with many members and these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we though many, we form one body, and each member belongs to each other. This is the picture of what healthy Christianity looks like. It is not all on your own. It is not all by yourself, okay? it is That is how this is supposed to look and what this is supposed to be. Hebrews chapter 10, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another so much. Like, don't forsake gathering together. If you are looking at your life right now and you are thinking to yourself, I feel a lukewarmness inside of me when it comes to Christianity, the odds are that church on Sunday is probably not a massive priority for you. That's just how this works. And I understand we got stuff going on, but at some point in our lives, we have to make a decision that this is our priority. For me and my family, we're not like... like Okay, you're like, yeah, you're the pastor. You got to come to church. When I go on vacation with my family, we go to church. This is who we are. It's what we do. We do not, we are a 52 Sunday a month family. Some years it's 53. <laughs> this is who we are, and it's what we, it's who, this is it for us. And I'm telling you, that's what it should look like. Number two, write this down spend time with the right people. Spend time with the right people. Proverbs chapter 13, such a pointed, amazing verse. Walk with the wise, become wise. Companion of fools, suffer harms. A different translation called The Message just says like, hang out with fools and watch your life fall to pieces. Who you spend time with determines like what direction your life is going to take. Teenagers, hear me right now. You have no idea how important the people you hang out with is to your life. It will change you in one way or the other. It's like the people you hang out with, I mean, they're like the buttons on an elevator. They either bring you up or they bring you down, okay? Think about it for a second. Okay, if you if you are in a spot where spiritual growth is significantly important to you and you are not spending time with the right people, I'm, I'm sorry it's not going to happen because you will you will fall a lot easier than you will pull them up. And you need to figure that out. And for some of us in this place, if you desire to know God more and to grow in that direction, you need to figure out how to spend time that she started her story by, you know, she's like, how did I get from here to here?" her story started with, I got some friends at church, and then my friends were in a life group, and we got together, and we went to the life group. Did you hear that? Like, from the very beginning, it involved who she hung out with. Significant stuff right there. Walk with the wise, become wise. Companion of fools, watch your life fall to pieces. Wow, that's good stuff. Some of you should have been like, yeah, that was good. I needed that, but you didn't, and you should have said that. Okay? Um, Number three, number three, I'm going here. Prioritize God in your finances. If you want to move from here to here, prioritize God in your finances. I'm not going to spend much time here because I don't want to make this sermon about money, but just understand this principle. One of the more powerful ways to experience God in your life is to stop living your life like this and begin to live it like this. It, It will transform your spiritual life. When we stop living like this and we start, and we start living like this, okay? Uh, like, prioritizing God with your money is this beautiful expression of God, you are first in my life and you are my priority. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, there are not a whole lot of people on this side who are hearing God's voice, who are moving in this beautiful relationship with God, who aren't significantly giving to further God's kingdom. I'm I'm just gonna be blunt about it. And if you wanna begin to move from complacency to experiencing God in your life, one of of the big ways to do that is to begin to put him first in one of the areas that matters the most to us. We walk around as American Christians spending a whole bunch of money on things that we don't need to impress people we don't even really like. And there's a better way to do this. This is why, you know, we from time to time teach on this principle of tithing, and this is not a tithing sermon, but it's about putting God first in your life in every area. Matthew chapter 16, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's like our heart follows that, in a way. He follows your treasures, and I'm telling you, begin to invest in the kingdom of God, put him, like I asked Matea about, about giving, and, and what that did for their, for their family. She mentioned it, mentioned it just for a moment, and she was just like, it's like you're letting go, and just allowing God, and trusting God. And one thing she said, she's like, we started tithing, and she said that was, it was kind of crazy at first, because besides our mortgage, it actually became the second biggest bill we pay every month, if you want to word it like that. And she said, but the weirdest thing is like, we didn't even really notice that it was gone. And it was this beautiful thing as she did that, okay? Uh, Lukewarm Matea didn't live like that, but it was a part of this process. And I'm not just talking like, like, it's one thing to just give and to buy things for other people and all that type of stuff. I'm talking about investing in God, and the things that matter most to him, and figuring out how to do that, okay? Number four, two left, and I'm excited about these last two. Number four, purposefully do others-focused things. That felt like a weird grammar, grammar thing for me, and I didn't know how to word it any better, and so I was like, they'll be okay. Purposefully do others-focused things, okay? Why would we do that? Very simply, it is the basic framework of Jesus and what it looks like to be a Christian, to begin to focus your life less on yourself and more on other people. Jesus modeled this for us, a life lived for other Philippians chapter two, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ. And I will just tell you this. The more you move in the direction of God, the less your life becomes about you. Did you hear that? The more you move in this direction, the less your life becomes about you. And a complacent, apathetic version of ourselves is very self-centered in the way that we focus and live our lives. But as we move in this direction, we watch God do that. Matea and Justin got involved in all sorts of different ways when it came to church, serving teenagers. They're part of the camera and church online team here on Sundays, being purposeful about doing things that are others first. And finally, Number five, and I loved this one. It was kind of my favorite. All right. Do something God focused that's out of your comfort zone. Again, it's kind of a weird statement to say, but write that down. Do something God focused that's out of your comfort zone. Growth in life and in any area actually comes from suffering, from difficult situations, and it also comes as we do things that are difficult. If everything in your life is easy and nothing is hard, you will not grow. You will not get better. If you, want, if you want to gain muscle mass on your body and you're looking up at me and saying, how did you get like this, Pastor Kyle? If that is the question that you are asking, let me just tell you, working out takes, it, it, it is painful. Working out, lifting weights, running, All sorts of things causes pain to your body, which actually results in growth. Do you understand that? Anything in your life that you want to grow in takes a little bit of pain and work in some way, and, and I'm just telling you, like it is possible for us to be purposeful about doing difficult things when it comes to our relationship with God that will propel us forward at different seasons and in different ways. This is one of the reasons I'll give you a couple of examples. It's one of the reasons we push people to go on mission trips. Some of us like push back and say, I don't need to travel around the world and do that. And we're, we're not even really helping the people anywhere. Like we hear all sorts of stuff like this. The bottom line is you go take 10 days, go around the earth to Nepal with me, which we're going in two and a half weeks with a group. You do that. And I'm telling you, you see that culture and you're forced to get up in front of people and even tell something and say your story. You're having to do difficult things. It It results in you praying more and experiencing God more in your life. There's no question. We see people who go on missions trip come home challenged and changed. Both Justin and Matea have stories of missions trip. Matea just got back from the Dominican Republic uh, and talks about what that did in her life. Like what else? Let me give you a couple other things. Be a counselor at kids camp. That's hard. That's hard. Do that. We have people from our church every year who sign up to give a week, Monday through Friday, and go, and they counsel kids at camp. It's a hard thing. It can challenge you to do that. Uh, Lead a life group. For some of us, that's crazy. That's craziness for you. I don't know what to say. I'm not very good. I don't blah, 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 Do something hard. Do something challenging and watch how God moves in you in that way. Take Bible or ministry classes. We actually have a great program that does weekend classes in St. Cloud that we like to push people to. Uh, It's called the Minnesota School of Ministry. Classes, Saturdays, once a month, an incredible program. I got Miles going in it this fall from last week. I'm excited about him. Do something crazy like that uh, out of your comfort zone. Go ahead and put that last slide on the screen for me. This is just all five of them. Wow, that was a lot of stuff I just threw out in a little amount of time. Okay, here we go. This is about moving. It's about moving from complacency and apathy and lukewarm living and a lukewarm version of being a Christian to being alive and hearing the voice of God and following Him and experiencing Him every step of the way. This is the story we heard today with Matea. Along that process, we have a story of healing. We have a story of God being enough. We have a story of self-esteem and self-worth issues and trauma from her past and the process of complacency to being alive in this, all of that stuff has been worked out more and more every single day. That's the story. That's cool, isn't it? I love that. Music, team, will you please come? And go ahead and stand with me all over this place. for some of us here today like you you know you know deep deep down that you are just absolutely apathetic when it comes to your christian life some of the symptoms of that church is just not a priority you go to church when you don't have other things to do you don't give you aren't involved. Even when you come to church, it's not, you're not a part of anything. You're coming just to kind of come. The list goes on. You, do, you don't sign up for things. You don't do things. You're not a part of things. You're not serving other people. And God today, I believe, is just nudging us. It, it, this is not meant to be a kick in the teeth. And some of us are going to feel that, a little bit, and I'm just saying that's not my heart in this. It's really not what I'm after. I'm not about beating people down with guilt and shame and saying, you gotta do better, you're such a whatever, okay? Like, that's not, that's sincerely not my heart in this. But, But I'm just telling you that this relationship with God, when it's lived out how it's supposed to be lived out, and you get closer and closer to that every single day, it is life. It is beauty. It is a God that loves you so much, and a God that speaks to you, and a God that helps you throughout the day. And all of a sudden you're, you're, you're taking what you have and you're giving it freely, and you never would have done that before and you're watching God use what you have for his good and his kingdom, and you could not be more excited to do things like that. And church is totally different. Because this is not just a place you go to sit down and put in your time. It's not like, it is this beautiful gathering together and we hear the word of God and we pray and we encourage and we buy our pastor birthday presents and we, like, we just do these things. No, but but sincerely, sincerely, this is this is what I want for every single one of you. Is to experience God in that way. And I don't know what it looks like. I don't know what it, I don't know what it is that you, I don't know where you're at with some of this, but this is today is a simple invitation from God to say. There is a better there is a better version of what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. And you are invited to that. You're invited into that. With no one looking around, just a time of privacy and reflection here just before we go. Maybe you're here today and and maybe God you you feel God just like tugging at your heart. I believe that the Holy Spirit is pulling at some of us today. If that's you today, will you just, just kind of lift up a hand? I just want to pray for you. If that's you, don't be ashamed. Don't be, okay, hands all over this place. Lord, I pray, I pray for those today who you are pulling, Holy Spirit. And I pray that significant things would even come from this day as we heard the story of transformation and as we looked at the Bible. Pray, God, that prioritizing church and getting involved in all of these things would just become a piece of who we are and what we do. Challenge us, change us, move us. Oh God, we pray in your name. Last thing, we just like to give people an opportunity to respond to the message of Jesus for the first time. Maybe you hear and you know that you are not right with God. You know, you know that you have never actually personally said yes to God and he's pulling at your heart today he sent Jesus to die for you so that you could be forgiven and free but you have this choice of how you are going to respond to that it's a free gift but you have a choice of whether you want to take it or whether you want to just live the life you want to live and he's offering this and inviting this beautiful thing grace and forgiveness and beauty and all of that if you're here today and you would say I have never said yes never said yes to Jesus and I want to do that today will you just show me your hand I just want to pray we just want to pray for you if you are watching this behind a screen right now you can respond to that as well there's a button you can click we want you to respond in that way anyone else that would just say yes that is me today okay church let's just pray a prayer together everyone in this place pray this with me pray Father God Father God I give you my life. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. Forgive me of my sins and change my life. In your name I pray, amen. Come on, will you put your hands together? Just celebrate today. May you walk out these doors today different. And may you experience God in new ways. May you learn to follow him and listen to him and experience all that he has for you. Come on, somebody. That's good stuff. All right. Thanks so much for coming tonight or today. Prayer tonight if you'd like to come at 6 o'clock. Otherwise, love you guys. See you next week.